My guest today is Kato Choi, an award-winning shoe designer with We Are Underdogs. Born in Hong Kong, Kato and his mother moved to the U.S. in 2001 when Kato was 10 years old. Not long after, his father joined them in the south side of Chicago. Kato has attended the Pencil Academy, won second place in the Pencil World Sneaker Competition in 2018, and he has plans to create his own brand in the near future. You can find, purchase, and wear his newest design, labeled Kama. He is a pleasure to talk with, and I know you will be encouraged after listening. Finally, I get the added bonus of having Mike Yates back on the show, but now as a guest host. Mike previously was on episode 29, called The Future of Education. Be sure to check it out if you haven't listened to it. Enough of me talking. Let's get to the authentic conversation with Kato Choi. Kato Choi, it is nice to have you on the Micah Brown podcast. And I got to say, this is quite an interesting way to get you on the podcast. I also have as a guest host today, Mike Yates, who is the one who told me about you and what you do. And so it is a full circle experience here, a previous guest, now a guest host, and we have a new guest here, uh, hopefully a new good friend. Kato, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. It's it's Friday, so I'm very excited about that. And Always. thanks for having me. This is my first podcast yeah. as well, so I'm very excited. First time to be on the microphone end and not the headphone then you know what i mean you're you're not listening you're recording it it's happening exactly mm-hmm. right. and mike how are you doing today my guy i'm doing great man i'm excited about uh co-hosting this i'm excited about talking to kato so this is great solid solid yeah uh kato as i told you um, a little bit ago mike does have his own podcast and so i was like well he's like a pro so he knows how to do this let's freaking make it happen um but would love to just jump right in because i know We've even talked a little bit about stuff that I wish had been recorded. So let's jump right in before we talk anymore. And it's not recorded and it's quality stuff. So what's your background? We'll dive into specifics of different pieces of what you do, who you are, that sort of thing. But share with us what your life was like growing up, moving to Chicago, jobs and roles you've had, awards you've won, things like that. Just kind of a brief overview, as much or as little as you'd like to share. Sounds good. Okay. So I was born in Hong Kong. Um, and I came to the States at the age of 10. And to be honest, like before age of 10, just my experience with Hong Kong is kind of blurry. I think a big part of it is because I was so young and there was a lot of things that I was in flux and uh, life was kind of crazy back then. Um, most of my memories kind of was based on like 2001 when I came to the States. Um, and the reason that we came to the States and, the, and this is going to get personal pretty quick. Um, but um, my, my mom was at the time was actually trying to get away from my dad. So just one night, just as I decided to be up and just like, let's get out of here. So I remember that very, wow. very same day where um, I was, I was kind of in school, and then I got that, got that call from, from like the teacher was like, yo, Kato, it's, it's time to go. And she sat by, and I was like, well, what are you talking about? And then next thing you know, next day I was on a flight, and then, and then I, I ended up in Chicago with my, with my sister and my brother and my mom. So wow. that's how I Wait, got here. You said 2001, right? 2001, six months before 9-11. Wow. Oh, gosh. Yeah. What a year. It's incredible. That was, Not that as was bad crazy. as 2020, but, you know, it's up there. Uh, it's <laughs> wild. And I'm actually, I'm glad you brought 9-11 because, like, at the time, I didn't even really speak English. So, like, watching the news, I was just like, what kind of movie is this? What is happening? So, like, it was all, it was all crazy. Bro. Gosh. 
I know how crazy um, that was for me. And I speak English, so I can only imagine like watching this thinking, wait, is this like a TV movie kind of thing? Or like, really what's going on? Graphics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so kind of fast forward a couple months um, after I came here, my dad got his, um, got his stuff kind of taken care of, uh, air quotes. And then um, he, he came in here and met up with us. And, and that's when kind of like the, the family just started our first endeavor in kind of the restaurant industry and and at the time you know like like all immigrants we're just trying to eat so it, it's not, it just looks like the right thing it looks like the path to do to just open up a restaurant that's what all the other asian immigrants do um so we kind of jumped right into it and and uh, the, the restaurant business kind of lasted for six years throughout my high school um years so i remember specifically like showing up to school got that grease cologne on me just smelling like straight up the fryer right and and um <laughs> I remember kind of those those days and and working in the restaurant, learning how to talk to people, speaking English in the in it's well learning to speak English in the service industry. It comes very easily because when you're just having all this back and forth and practicing, you tend to pick up English very quick. And so that's where I learned to pick up English. And um, and during high school, as I said, um, I went to high school in South Side of Chicago. Um, so predominantly black uh, and Latino uh, uh, neighborhood. And so that's where I kind of pick up the nuances of the culture and, and just learning how to, how to talk and, and, uh, and kind of starting to get involved into the pop culture side of things, sneakers, et cetera. Um, and I don't know how, how deep to kind of get into this, but the whole thing. It's up to you. Thing, okay. And so the whole design thing kind of started when I was in, uh, in seventh grade. Actually, um, that was when the restaurant first started. We had Wi-Fi at the restaurant and we had a computer. And uh, one of the first things that I got was, uh, was Photoshop 5, I think. Photoshop 5 pirated it for free off a of wire. And I started going into forums. I started picking up random stupid habits, uh, not stupid habits, stupid uh, hobbies to, um, to kind of start to engage with people because like, um, I'm just trying to find ways to fit in. Right? So I started doing magic tricks when I was really young started doing some pen spinning stuff wait 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 wait, wait, wait. magic tricks yes. what do you please tell me you keep up with this to some degree you know um I, every once in a while when i have a couple of drinks in i start doing magic tricks <laughs> but <laughs> i don't believe you you might have to prove this at some point you might have to like post on your instagram like i was yeah. challenged well, on an interview right now i just just have, have a coin and just like ah. very simple sleight of hand stuff but you know, it's you got to work on a sneaker that has that's designed like a like a like a deck of cards, like an ace of spades. Ooh, that would be really Yeah. So I'm uh, kind of jumping off of that point. The whole magic stuff. I did pen spinning too. All types of weird internet niches, right? And um, and kind of being in those forums and interacting uh, on the internet. Uh, I kind of was using Photoshop as kind of like a way to communicate because I, I was communicating better with images versus typing out the words and, 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 and messaging. So I started making graphics for some of these um, websites. And that's how I kind of got my, got my feet wet in the, in the design game. Um, so that's awesome. Kind of fast forward a little bit more since I come from like a South Side kind of high school, it kind of didn't really, it wasn't really designed you to kind of go to college i think in a lot of ways 
So what is interesting, though, is they make you pick majors in high school, in that specific school. Um, the school is called Mary and Curie, by the way. Um, and um, they make you pick majors early on in your sophomore year. So you kind of have some skill sets going out of the high school. And at the time, it just feels kind of like short-sighted because they don't expect you to go to college and whatnot. But now thinking back on it, to be able to early on pick up those skill sets was just so valuable. And um, I picked up commercial photography um, because I knew kind of the Photoshop side of things and, and I know how to Photoshop pictures and all of that. And, um, and so I did that for a couple of years during high school, did like some regional awards and, and random things, and mainly was just going on the websites, like making logos and just kind of just hustling, making, making money. And, um, and then uh, from the forum work too, I was kind of doing this little side business thing of, it's kind of illegal, but <laughs> kind of going to- We won't tell anybody. <laughs> going to ebay and and buy like broken psps like those those sony psp back in the day so you mod it you you, you break the system essentially and you it, it stops working but taking those system and returning it to kmart and so swapping out a new system the one that would work and then modify it like put lights on it tricking it out making it like almost like a honda civic of a, of, a, of, a, of a little gaming machine and then i would sell it back on ebay and like that was kind of my my hands-on experience of, of product design um, and kind of colliding with the graphic design. Just, just so, so you know, you are speaking Mike Yates's language right now. <laughs> yeah. If I still worked at a school, I would design an entire six-week, seven-week workshop where we do just that, <sighs> minus the returning to Kmart part. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's illegal. I think that's smart. You know, Gary V used to do that. He used to, I, I, don't, I don't remember if it was a pack of baseball cards or whatever, but he would buy, he'd buy something off of eBay for cheap. And then he would go take it back, like return them to Kmart. And he just like made a business out of that. And like back then Kmart, like some about those, 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 um, those retail workers back then, they weren't just, they weren't so in tune with like the nuances of the product. They won't check the serial numbers. They don't know it like that. So they're just like, all right, well, this is in the same box. Like the void sticker is, is there, but you know, whatever. And then they would just return it. So. I, I love I love that you said that that's where you got your feet wet with product design. Like, could, could you tell me like what specifically about like modding the like the, like the modifications you made? Like, how like how does that influence the way the way like how did that influence the way you think about product design? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question because um, I think a lot of schools that you go to that would um, that you study product design, they kind of teach you how to build a product from from ground up, but um, if you take a product and you modify it, you're actually dissecting it and taking it, uh, reverse engineering it. There is a level of understanding that, that, that I, was, I was able to get kind of from there. And then at the time, you also like work, me working with a forum and interacting with those people. There is essentially, that's your consumer group, right? And they have trends that they like. So for example, back in you know 2006, LEDs on the transparent thing was popping. Like that was, that was the thing that would, that I would make a lot more. And then later on, you know, maybe laser cutting is a new thing. Customizing is a new thing. It was a very um, elementary way of translating desires into a product, if that made sense. So that yeah. was kind of the gig, I think. Um, so that was high school. And then I went to actually U of I, Univers uh, University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign, two hours south of um, 
in Chicago. That's why I went to school for product design. And, and me kind of coming from an immigrant background, my parents didn't really have insight to design, where to go in college, they didn't go to school. They were just, you know, they were just kind of caught up in the momentum of life and that's how we got here, right? And um, so I just went to the nearest school, like in-state so I can afford it. Um, they have product design and, and my sister also went there. That takes all the box that I knew back then, right? So, so I did that. Um, and then uh, went to product design, uh, second year of product design, I got, I got an internship to, um, to, uh, this, uh, to, to Under Armour in, uh, in, Mar uh, in Maryland, in Baltimore. And got the internship and what was really fun and interesting about the internship was my key fob, um, I went in as a graphic designer because that was my core skill set at the time, but my key fob was kind of clicked and it kind of got me everywhere that I wasn't really supposed to. Yeah, so like after five, I would like click into the footwear department and would hang out with those guys and would just be super annoying about it really. And just was like, what's that? What's this? What's that? What are you guys working on? And then eventually kind of begged my way uh, to, to get a project uh, from the creative director of the time, Dave Dombro. And uh, he gave me the skater, skating project, you know, to, just to create a skate shoe. And, um, Dang. and I, I delivered it and uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't great and it, was, it, it wasn't made or anything, um, but it was a great insight into like, how, how much, like there, there was so much room for you to, there's so many paths that you can take when you're in this space. And, and learning that, I think, was very valuable. Um, so kind of fast forward after that internship, they wanted me back, but I was too young to, you know, to, I just wanted to try something different. So um, I kind of declined the internship and I went back to school and, and, and went, to, went to Pencil. So Pencil is a footwear academy based out of Portland, started by the creative director of, of, of Jordan. Um, yeah, it's the, the Jordan brand. Academy. Yes, is the Sneaker Academy. The yes. Academy, yeah. Yes. So I went there in uh, 2013, and, uh, and Dwayne, um, Dwayne taught me so much about the, 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 the sneaker industry. He taught me that, you know, every product is, is really just a gateway to a message that you want to deliver. And like that, like just, that just changed the way that I look at product forever. It's just like, what is my message that I'm trying to distill into these products to be able to, to share with the world? Um, just real quick for those listening, um, that, that, that you just kind of just went on past and it's a really big deal. And I think can be applied to so many things. I, re I refer to it as just brand. Like, do you have a brand? Okay. That's your target overall. Everything should cater to that. And with you, you're talking about, um, having a message to that everything you create all aims towards that. And I feel like if people in general just had that about their life, like what do I want to be known for? You know, I feel like life would make a lot more sense, 100%. but so many people don't even do that, but that's, that's a really big deal. And I, I'm glad that somebody was in your life, like saying like, Hey, if you have a message, everything should aim towards that message. Yes. And I'm very fortunate to, to stumble my way into that because a lot of these decisions that I make aren't really and educated uh, hypotheses, I say. I just kind of stumble and try to work my way through things. Um, so I'm very fortunate to, to get that. So um, fast forward to when I graduated school, um, towards the end, uh, the, the ending kind of uh, year or two of my, my college career, I tried to start um, a company 
uh, a biking company uh, within the campus. And it's, it's funny because I didn't even know how to bike uh, until the company came along. <laughs> but it was a local bike shop. They hit me up. They're like, we need some design stuff. And next thing you know, it's just like, you know, let's find a studio and just like make stuff. And like, that's that to me at the time, this was like 2013 or 14. Like entrepreneurship was like, was popping. Everyone was talking about starting their own business. It was like the trendy thing to do. If you have a passion, you know, make, make a business out of it and all of that. It was like kind of that, that peak of entrepreneurship, I think. So me kind of being young kind of gravitated towards them. It was just like, oh yeah, I'm a business owner or whatever. Kind of right away went on LinkedIn, called myself a CEO. There you go. That's <laughs> how you make it official. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's, but, but the, the crazy thing was just, Learning the process is so much, there's so much more rigor to it. And at the time, I just was not, I was into the idea of being an entrepreneur, but not really dedicating to the message that I wanted to deliver. And there was a big disconnect in that. So with that being said, we did create a lot of good work. And uh, that company is still, is still going within campus and they're, they're thriving in many ways. I'm just no longer a part of it. We're still friends and we're all good. And, and during that time, right before I kind of stopped that business, or my affiliation with the business. Um, and this is something I don't think you, you guys know, but I actually is a full-time appliance designer in Whirlpool Corporation. So I design refrigerators and ovens. And I, that's what's awesome. <laughs> so they reached out to me and I've been there for five years now. Um, I'm kind of um, uh, leading a couple efforts with my team in kind of creating the global kitchen vision now. And uh, so I actually do kitchens by day and then sneakers by night so um all this sneaker um connections that i'm making with you guys right now it's all kind of um, comes from after hours which i gotta say sneakers and kitchen are two incredibly important staples in people's lives <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so you're you're touching some lives in very impactful ways kato <laughs> yes. yes um back when i used to go refrigerator design heavy I used to have this joke with a little light in the morning, I keep the food fresh, and then at night, I keep the food fresh. That was like the freshness thing was, was a thing. I think Mike was trying to say something, but his audio is cutting. What'd you say, Mike? Oh, I was saying that, the, the, like, literally, the kitchen and my sneakers are the most important things to me outside of my family. So, <laughs> um, like, you're a hero, bro. <laughs> <laughs> not, all wear, not all heroes wear capes. Some wear sneakers. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, so... And and kind of here I am now. Um, I think how how the how the We Are Underdogs brand came about was also uh, a kind of a, a story in its own. But that's kind of my my background. And yeah. Awesome. We definitely have a separate question for specifically how you got involved with We Are Underdogs. So we'll get to that um, in case anybody listening is like, wait, don't just cut it off there. Uh, we're doing it on purpose, mm-hmm. so you can just hold tight. This next question is arguably my personal favorite. Uh, I was asked this a long time ago, and it really made me think. And I realized this is a really good way to get to know somebody. So I'll ask you, um, what are obstacles or events in your life that have most shaped your character or who you are in general as a person and how? Yeah, that is a fantastic question. Because it's really the, 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 the things and how you react to things that kind of makes you right. Um, so I want to say in the past, if you were to ask me like a year ago, it would have been, you know, coming to a new country and just learning the culture and just trying to fit in. Um, and I think um, that's where a lot of my 
um, creative language comes from. It's just me trying to figure out what's going on. And I think that was a big, um, that was a big event, a big moment in my life, me moving here when I was 10. And, and the second one is a bit more personal. So um, early, earlier this year, I think right after COVID, uh, after March, um, uh, I lost my, my dad. So um, I was actually at home with my brother, kind of doing the end of life care, kind of uh, going into the nitty, the, the nitty gritty of it, the changing diapers and, and having like some crazy, the, the craziest physical kind of contact and touch with my dad um, before he passed in May. So um, I want to say if the first experience with moving here kind of started that, um, that, that gooeyness that my personality is kind of built on, I want to say earlier this year and definitely bake it and kind of solidify it. Because when you see, you know, someone in your life that has so much impact kind of become like super weak to the point that you have to kind of care for them to, um, to kind of see them go is there's a lot of very deep and complex emotions that, that definitely stirs things up. I can only imagine. Um, yeah. That it- that is something that I, I mean, I've seen all my grandparents pass and I do not look to the day when my parents are in that situation. Um, how do you think when you moved to America, you said that it, it developed your creative language to, you know, you may not have the exact right word. So you use a sentence instead to describe it. Right. Cause I, I used to teach yeah. English as a second language. Um, and, and I know that the idea is if you know the vocabulary well enough, you can use less words. And so sometimes the opposite would happen you know, and they're kids that only speak Spanish and I draw a picture and I try to get them to describe that picture, you know, that, well, it sounds like, and it looks like, and, you know, try these examples. So how, how has that translated into you today here in 2020? How does that language, you know, transition still affect you? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, and I think in a way it's a it's a very it, it's very much a gift and a curse thing. I feel like because my um, my my vocab is still limited, I think in a lot of ways, I I don't know how to concisely deliver a message. So the curi- the curiosity for me to want to fully explain that thought or whatever I'm trying to communicate, I always go way too deep. <laughs> And then started having all these visuals and mood boards try to communicate the small concept where as if you would have grown up here and kind of learn that the nuances of it, you would have that word to describe your thought. So I think I take a lot of unnecessary detours to, uh, to kind of arrive at a thought. And, and sometimes um, a product becomes the, the output and, and sometimes it's, it's like an adventure that I don't know where it's I mean. I grew up here and my wife still gives me flack in a humorous way, of course, but I, having been a teacher, also a history teacher, I, I tell a lot of stories and I swing like way out and left. I tell circular stories. So I'll swing way out into the most obscure example that doesn't sound like it makes any sense whatsoever. But she's like, you always land the plane. I mean, you always bring it back. So maybe my vocabulary is slacking too. <laughs> maybe that's what the bottom line here is. What, how does that? That's like the beauty of it though, right? Just like just the detour that you go through to, to, to enrich that message that you're trying to give. Yeah, that's, that's really magical. Mike, I feel like you're saying something. Oh, I said I do the same thing you do. Like I, I tell, I tell the, the stories, far out details, obscure stories. I do the same thing. Yes. It, it, it does make it richer for sure. And, and oh yeah, and I don't think I shared this, uh, but I actually taught uh, a semester at Notre Dame 
Uh, I was an adjunct professor for advanced product development. And I saw that. Te- teaching is, is magical. I, I do, I'm a big fan of it. And when, especially when you're passionate about the topic that you're teaching. Yeah. It can be a yeah. lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And That's great. So, it's so frustrating too because like these, these kids just don't catch that, like the, the intensity of how important that thing is. Yeah. They haven't lived it. You know, they haven't, yeah. they're just now learning about it. You know, they haven't lived the experiences you have. I'm really interested because I, I think this, especially the further you're removed from it, the more you'll be able to tell how has your experience with your dad impacted just your view about other people? Oh, um, I think I'm still in the, in the early phases of it and I'm sure I'll continue to develop the thought. But I think um, with the COVID and all the quarantining happening, I think the isolation of it kind of intensified a bit. It's just I, I kind of approach people with a, with a terrible sense that they're not going to get it like because of that deep experience that I have with my dad. So it's, it's something that I, I'm learning to be openly, I'm learning to openly share more about it. So, and, and like, like you said with your grandparents, like everyone experiences such a thing at different levels of intensity. So I, so to kind of, kind of complete that thought a bit, it opens me up to, in a way, how different people are in the experiences that I bring all of that. It, it made all that more and more, more intensified if anything. Yeah, no kidding. I, I've, with my grandparents passing away, I've, I've learned to value human life a lot more. Yeah. That even if it's not family, like, I I may not like your choices. I, I may not like being around you a whole lot, but I value your life as a human being. And that exactly. should mean something. You know what I mean? And you um, kind of notice how fragile and how, how fickle things are. Dude. So imagine going through, I don't know. Are you married? Do you have kids? Anything? No, I, no, okay. I, have, a, I have a fat cat and a, a girlfriend <laughs> that I hang out with. <laughs> wait you, fat cat and girlfriend so you're saying the cat is your girlfriend or but I'm, I'm just kidding i don't want to set you up for failure there um but when when you've had the the experience of seeing somebody pass at the end of their life and then you're there for the birth of one of your kids and you see the beginning of life i think it, mike would have to speak to this some because you got like a million kids but um whenever yeah. Whenever you see the birth of your kid, you've now seen the end of life and the beginning of life, and it puts things in a really weird perspective. It does. It does. It, I, I, I mean, I haven't had kids yet, but I can only imagine because, like, see, like, there, there's it's very in, intense way to kind of summarize and, and experience that as life, right? So, yeah, I don't even know yeah. how to build on that. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's let's kind of. Uh, I've got one more question uh, that's kind of on the personal and then we'll ask about inspiration and jump into some shoe stuff. But yes. uh, this is the last deep question as far as personal goes. No, uh, I, I promise it. unless you want more. Um, but if you died tomorrow, what do you hope people say about you when you're gone? We were talking earlier about what's your brand or what kind of message are you trying to send? So what is that message? Have you thought about that? I actually asked this to somebody one time and he goes, Oh no, I have I have no idea. <laughs> so mm-hmm. maybe you haven't thought about it. Maybe this is the first time you've ever thought about it, but what do you yeah. hope people say about you when you're gone? So I have definitely thought about it. And, and I think in, in my presentations in the past too, it has always changed and kind of evolved. 
And, um, but when you sent out that, um, that, that kind of questionnaire just for the framework, I, I was thinking about an answer for it. And then I just put in air quote, use till. Like, that was the thing now. Like, especially when you've gone through, like, you know, like life and death and stuff, you kind of realize how, how many, how, how small and minimal kind of we are in a way. Um, so I hope that the, the takeaway was that, you know, I was, I was a friendly person that got along with it. I hope my work will speak at a different magnitude. But um, at, at the end of it, I, I'm just like, I hope I was a relaxed person, a nice person to talk to. And, and we, people are always comfortable in, in trading thoughts with me. And that's what I really strive for now. And if it it's, takes a shoe to start this conversation, then so be it. I like that. If it takes a shoe, so be it. Yeah. <laughs> Tagline right there. <laughs> well, let's kind of shift gears a little bit. Uh, Want to know who inspires you the most and how? Now, it could be somebody in the sneaker industry. If you have an, you know, a kind of an idol or something, let us know who that is. Or if it's just personally to keep you going, who is that? Yeah, definitely a couple people. Um, Kanye is one of them. Uh, just him, you know, evolving through through his work and his philosophy and translate it in different uh, ways through music, sneakers, and fashion. Um, there's a lot I learned from that. Um, another LA chef, his name is Roy Choi. Um, it's funny because my brother is also named Roy Choi. Um, but he, he started a taco truck in LA and he kind of fused Korean uh, um, barbecue with uh, LA street tacos. Something about the cultural translation of it to deliver a message again, I really love. Um, David Blaine is a huge inspiration just me from my magic days. I realized like, there's misdirection in the way I talk. There is uh, small little nuances to bring like a little element of the light at the end is, is something that I hold pretty dear to my heart. So, That's yeah. great. <laughs> I, I love it. it. Yeah, the the David Blaine connection. Maybe, maybe one of these days you'll have like the David Blaine line, you know, or something or just like mm-hmm. one shoe to embody david blaine or something yeah, actually probably wouldn't even really awkwardly to wait for your reaction yeah exactly <laughs> david blaine follows me on twitter guys i like so that means that he and i are boys like oh yeah david blaine, we're friends we've never met we've never talked but he follows me on twitter so <laughs> the tells that we're friends that's what's up that's fantastic i think i think that uh especially like we should put out this episode and then tag him whenever we post about it be like you were spoken of you're next (laughs) that'd be awesome man well let's let's get into the daily because i know uh, to be frank i first of all i have big feet so i already have a hard enough time finding shoes that fit me what like what's your what's the largest size that we are underdogs make so we used to go up to i think 14 or 15 but like a lot of small companies, we can't really hold that range of sizes. So I think we go up to 12 or 13. now. So I, I wear 14 or 15 depending on the shoe. And so that's why I was like, man, you know, I'd love to get some of these shoes and like wear them and rep the brand, but I, I doubt they have my size. I'll have to ask Kato. One day we'll get there. <laughs> Appreciate it. Get, put me on notice. Put me on the list whenever it happens. Um, whenever you get the David Blaine shoes, make them in 14s (laughs) and I'll I'll squeeze into them. But would love to know what the typical day looks like because, again, I I don't know a whole lot about the shoe industry. That's Mike's 
realm of the world. And um, I know that a lot of people listening, they know what they buy and they know the big name brands, but like I, I wasn't aware that there were so many brands out there until literally until I talked to Mike. And now I'm like, well, what goes into this? Like, I know how to start up other companies by concept in my mind, but like what goes into a typical day of being a part of a shoe company? Well, that's, that is a great question. So for me, I think um, a lot of footwear designers have different experiences. So officially, I don't really have a footwear job. Like footwear is my nighttime gig. Um, so my day starts at 6 p.m. with the footwear situation. And, um, and, and like you and Mike said, yeah, the, the industry is extremely saturated. There are a million brands out there. And um, however, there isn't really a good platform that opens up the, the shoe creation process to creatives. And I think that's where We Are Underdogs really came in and, and really wanted to, 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 to bring that platform to life. Because if you go on YouTube, if you go on anywhere right now, um, there are these influencers or content creators that are dedicating their crafts to just learning about sneakers and stuff. And that's kind of um, kind of our entryway. And, and me kind of as the special projects lead, um, I, I go and talk to these people. And sometimes they make these connections. And, and from learning through the story and, and matching with their interests, I design a shoe that tells their story. And then We Are Underdogs um, creates that shoe, develop it, and, um, and put it out to the world. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's why We Are Underdogs is one. It's it's literally, I mean, it's like, it's one of my favorite brands. Like, it it, it is, it competes with Sia Collective because mm-hmm. Devlin Carter is dope. <laughs> and, awesome. Uh, He's just so raw with it, the way he communicates on, on IG. Right. You know, read. Like, <laughs> like, he's the only guy that can get on Instagram and say, you know what, I'm blocking your account from my, my Instagram account, which is the only place where you can find my sneakers because I got that many customers and that many colorways. <laughs> like, yeah, he's definitely shaping um, a path in the industry. And just the amount of colorways, the amount of stories that you come up with with these shoes. Um, yeah. He's definitely a big inspiration for, uh, for, for the brand and myself as well. What's a, what's, y'all both said it, colorways? What's that? That's that's the color that your shoe comes in, like the the patterns and the colors. Uh, it's okay. called the And if you're not also if you're not familiar, check out Side Collective on Insta- Instagram, which is basically the only place where you can see his shoes. And you'll see every day, three to five times a day, he's posting a new design of a new sneaker that's going to drop in the future. Like that guy, and he's a he's not nobody's really a one-man show but he's as close to a one-man show as it gets um like the dude just did like dropped a sneaker on george floyd's birthday and gave most like a bunch of the money to george floyd's family like yeah he is definitely hit a point where he has a good level of demand and he has the the means to create it in in a fast-paced kind of rhythm and if you look at like if, if you're not Nike or Adidas or any bigger brands, it's actually quite hard to do, I say, as an independent brand, to constantly develop and to constantly create. Um, in my experience, is, is quite difficult. So, yeah, again, he's carving, like, this new super kind of exclusive path um, with his usage of social media. And, and, yeah, he's doing great things. And uh, 
I hope to be able to talk to him and learn from him someday. Well, we we may do like a leapfrog situation and have you on as the guest host when we interview. Him. <laughs> Keep yeah. it going. Yeah, Devin Devin Card is hard to get to, but if you can get him on here, you're, you're like he's he's hard to get to. It'll be um, an entertaining episode, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he the coolest thing about him though is that you know I, the reason why I thought about him to talk about here is because like Kato, your your stories are very similar, like. You know, he didn't go. He he didn't go to pencil. He didn't have the in, the the internship. Um, and if you're not familiar with Devlin's story, he basically got tired of the big sneaker company stealing his designs. So he would like customize Jordans and like put new fabrics and all kinds of stuff on them. And then he saw his like a sneaker that he knows that he made. He like like customized it. He saw them actually release it, and he was like, "Nah." So he went to design school similar to you and and started his own brand from the ground up like you know and now he's got shacks buying his sneakers steph curry like all the you know a lot, a lot of celebrities um but but i, I want i have a question for you uh, r- related to we are underdogs oh yeah for sure i I've, I've had a chance to talk to you i've had a chance to talk to jason um negrito mm-hmm. uh, who's also a dope designer um so like like what is the process um like where do you what's the, what's step one when you guys think about designing a new sneaker yeah that's that's a great question for me i'm on pinterest almost all of the time pinterest instagram i find the specific detail that i like i feel a specific vibe that i like and i capture that in the visual library that is either like on the computer or in my head and then um and this is kind of a, a quite a personal design process. So if you talk to Jason, it'll probably be different. But there's always like this state of mind that I'm in that I, I want to be able to manifest into a shoe. So this this new one that I'm working on, um, I don't think I don't think we even release any information on it yet. But um, so the reason why my first shoe was comma, because I, I have a big focus on the narrative of of life. So comma is like a is like a tool, a punctuation mark that you use in a, in a, in, a, in a, What's it called? Like in an essay or, or, or in a writing. So, and the second one was apostrophe. And then this third one that I'm working on, I'm actually going to name it, I think, like the question mark or the, 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 the question racer is kind of what I call it. But the whole thing has come from like the, the, the uncertainty that's coming from now. And for me, it's just like, how do I capture my anxiety and like what, whatever is going on in the world into the shoe that's relevant in, in the world of trend? Um, and then just kind of mix and match it and create this recipe for this, for this thing that I hope people will love. So that's kind of usually where I start. And, but if we're talking about kind of like the nitty gritty of, of, of the business, you start off with, with the tooling and your tooling is your, your outsole. That's kind of on the bottom. That's the, that's the thing that costs a lot of money because you need to make these giant blocks of steel pretty much create the shoe, uh, the, the sole shape that you want, and then they inject like hot uh, material in it. That's injection molding, or you could do compression molding, different types of molding to create your bottom. And when you're talking about different sizes, that's where the big commitment comes from. Like creating all these different sizes of this metal blocks that makes the your, 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 um, your sole. And then you have a last that goes on top of it. And that's the shape of the shoe. So from there, you have the overall silhouette, right? So uh, the Jordan ones has a very specific silhouette. Um, um, the, the Air Force ones has its own. So finding that it's like the first thing that um, 
that that is the most important in the process because that like that brings in all the feel when when there's like a bulky toe that's like a boot that's like a whole different type of vibe that you're going for so depending on silhouette you start there and then from there you you sketch and you draw the panels use photoshop and then at that point it's just again going back to the design language how do you communicate your design language in a way that's compelling and, and it looks good and the manufacturer understands what you're looking for so they can make it and then from there is samples you look at samples a lot of my work with um, we are underdogs happens remotely so i send in my design and then they will send me pictures of all the views of, of the sample that they make i draw over it in the ipad like this line is a little off this is a little little floppy i see the blue coming out here a little bit um it's it doesn't look like it's it's, it's comfortable and they have kind of the the resources to, to, to continue to change that before they create the, the production piece. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it is. Yeah. And you know, what I, what I love about, about we are underdogs specifically is if you like, if, if anybody's listening, if you follow their Instagram, they will show you the design process, like on the Instagram. So like, you know, I, I've pre-ordered shoes from we're underdogs and then seen like, Oh, Oh, the, I saw this post on Instagram. They got all the uppers done. That means I'm getting my shoes in like three weeks. And then, and then three weeks later, here they are. And so like, it's something that I've come to appreciate. So, yeah, and, and it's something like I think internally the company is very, very proud of. Like we're not having um, like types of shady labor working on the shoes. Like okay. we have craftsmen in there. We have, um, we have these like these very experienced um, leather workers creating the uppers that you see and we're very proud to show that and bring that to the forefront and and some companies might not have that proud behind the scene kitchen that they can show so we, we were very proud of that and we want to honor that process and and our, our price point is a pretty premium in in the, in the leather well in, in the sneaker space um it's a lot of it's because we want to be pretty responsible about um, the way we make the shoe, the way we source the material, and we want to show that. We won't show, we won't make anything that we don't want to show you. Yeah. Yeah, but you know what's great about the pricing in We Are Underdogs? There's no taxes and there's no, there's no shipping. <laughs> it's what it, what's up. I don't know how the team figures that out. But. <laughs> yeah, it's because it's because they're coming from Portugal. So sales tax works differently um, in, in, in Portugal. So uh, yeah. it's, I love that if it says 179, I'm paying 179. Um, That's what's up. You know, or 199. I'm very bad with money, so like even the taxes. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's a whole different beast for me. Yeah, I mean, from somebody who spends way too much on sneakers, I am much more likely to buy a sneaker that costs 199 with free shipping than I am to buy one that is 180 with, and I have to pay shipping. Like. Noted. I, 100%. I am totally on board with that. Whenever I'm shopping on Amazon, I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Is shipping included or is it not? I'm not figuring out the math right now. Like, I don't need to do this. Just tell me yes or no. Exactly. That's 100%. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Cool, man. Well, I, so I know that you, I know that there's a connection between Pencil Academy and We Are Underdogs. Mm-hmm. How did you specifically get connected with them? Were you, were you in the international sneaker design competition? Yes. So I was, um, and this kind of goes back to, to work a little bit and I might be going a little unnecessarily deep again, but <laughs> I'll try to be, you know? Um, so, um, 
I was working as an appliance designer and a lot of it was like really, really fun and new. But the, the thing is, I'm still pretty young and I'm very into uh, the youth culture still. And I don't get to see products just get made quick. Like I feel like the work that I was doing and my full-time job didn't reflect my state of mind enough. Because if I, if I make a refrigerator, it don't come out until like 60 years I have no patience for that. So I was like, I need to dig back into like when I went back to pencil and learn about all those things. So I started sketching every day on Instagram, just like sketch a shoe one day, uh, a sketch a day, a design a day, just to sharpen up my skills and to, 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 to balance my, my input with output because I'm on Instagram all the time seeing all these cool shoes and I want to be able to make them. And so the World Sneakers Championship came along and then I submit my design in 2016, 2017, 2018, and eventually and, uh, and World Sneaker Championship 2018 that's when I got to uh, top 32 and I got kicked out <laughs> but it could, because it's like an online voting system and I got knocked out. So I was like, damn. But towards the end of it, they're like, we have like an opportunity to do like a wild card selection. So you have an opportunity to redesign your shoe and then you get to get revived back um, to the competition. So I got revived, got to top eight. And then I was flown out to Portland and did the whole, whole week-long program of where every day you had like a challenge to design and refine your shoe. And then, um, and then eventually we did the final presentation with all these Adidas and, and Nike uh, kind of employees. And, and uh, I got second place. I lost by one point to Bao. Shout out to Bao. Bao is at Lee Ning right now. He's doing really cool stuff. Um, so that's how I actually was on the map. And then... Uh, where underdog was like, we saw your your second place entry. Uh, we would we, we love the design. We would love to make that happen. And then that's when the deals start to overlap. And Kama luckily was responded very well by um, by by the consumers. You know, people are buying them, and we keep making more and more and more different colorways. So that's when the relationships start to build. Whenever um, the brand makes a connection, I'm like, Yo, me, let me learn the story and let me help you create. Uh, the shoe for this uh, collaborator and then I became kind of like the middleman in translating these independent creators thoughts into products I, I want to point out something and I don't know if you've made this connection co- consciously but you said something earlier and now you're talking about your shoe design uh, and your, your brand comma you mentioned that you don't always have the right words to describe something you don't always have the right vocabulary to like communicate something and now you're creating shoes based on pieces of grammar and essentially the the image that keeps coming to my mind when you're talking about this is that like you then are the words you're the words in action and the shoes are the punctuation on what you're doing which again is kind of a deeper meaning there's layers to even they're the punctuation to everything so, yeah, I guess I, I subconsciously made that connection yeah. altogether. <laughs> yeah. I just, wow. I didn't know, I didn't know if you had made that connection. I was like, well, you're, you're saying, you're dancing around it. Just say it. <laughs> just say it out loud. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I didn't consciously know that. I always know kind of the narrative was kind of like I want to tell a story, and this is how it all kind of comes together. But consciously putting those pieces together, I haven't really thought about it. You are the story. The people wearing the shoes are the story. Yeah. 
The shoes are right. literally the punctuation, the accent to whatever their story is. Yeah, no, man. Like seriously, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a poet, so I'm very good with words and I like words a lot. And that's why when I, when I came across, we are underdogs, the comma was the first sneaker that I saw. And I was like, yo, this is like a Chelsea boot and a sneaker. And if, if, if listen, if you, if you're listening and you look them up, the lacing system is dope because it's, there's no, like, there's no eye stay. There's no, there's no lace holes. It just wraps around the, the, the ankle. Yes. And I was like, you know, I, I, I've gone through this phase. I've told Micah this. I, I used to really be into Jordans. And, and then I'm like, you know what? Everybody has these. I, so every sneaker in my collection is one that's either really hard to get or one that not a lot of people know about. And so I actually use these to tell stories about my passion for sneakers. And the, the hands down, the number one, one sneaker that makes people go, okay, you got to tell me where you got those is the comma. It's your sneaker. Like wow. it's the number one. It's also the number one. Cause I kind of like informally track this in my head. It is the one where people are like, give me the website right now. And they pull it up and they look to see if they have their size. Like it's it, like that one. And then the Seth Fowler under construction, like those two make people go, hold on. Like, <laughs> and then they follow the brand. So like, what you're doing with, with, with communicating through sneakers is like, like, I want you to at least walk away from this podcast going like, dang, like I'm doing something. <laughs> yeah. What you're saying are like, I, I'm, I feel crazy inside right now. Just, just seeing you, how you communicate with that story, how excited that makes you feel that it makes everything make sense with these as moments like these. So I really, really appreciate the support. I'm so glad you like them. And, and, and I'm very excited to continue to collaborate with the brand and just keep, more, keep making more stuff. Hopefully, eventually we hit upsides big enough for Micah. And, uh, <laughs> let, seriously, yeah. let me know. I'm all about sponsoring good people. So even, even if that means literally sponsoring with my dollars and my feet, be like, look, it comes in size yacht. It's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can't see. Micah's huge. Like he's like a NFL linebacker. <laughs> oh, wow. Like, I, the the camera adds pounds. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> like when you yeah, don't get the wrong idea by huge. I mean like good huge. Like he's tall and like No, yeah, I appreciate it. I, I was uh I grew up as a walking stick figure and uh in college I decided I did not enjoy being a stick figure anymore. So I made I made changes. Yeah. So Kato, I got I got another question for you. So if I'm yes. an inspiring designer right so i've been going through this process where every day i go on youtube or instagram and i either go to jason's instagram your instagram i go to seth's youtube page and i practice sketching sneakers because i have an ambition of one day having my own sneaker so if 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 i'm a person like like i have photoshop capabilities but let's say you you're not good on photoshop and you can't draw how would you suggest that somebody get into the sneaker, like designing sneakers? Yep. And, and I'm terrible at giving advice. Let me just start with that. <laughs> and um, I think uh, a big thing is learning what communicates your ideas best. And I think um, using um, pen to paper and drawing is one way of communicating that idea. Um, but there are also many, many ways. Are you a better 3D modeler? And are you, uh, are you a hand craft person? Can you create, can you, can you find a shoe that's similar to what you like 
and then make edits and, and, and change it up. So you're not having to start with the, the very base of it. You have something to start off on. And, and if not, can you, um, do you have the personal skills to make the connection to how to help somebody visualize your, your thoughts? Because um, I actually get a lot of DMs too, like from, from people that are like, and it's funny, some of them are just like, which is DM me like, I want my own shoes. And I'm like, what, what, what are you about? Like, what, 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 where do you come from? Like, um, do you have any ideas? So like, I was, I want to say like, start by, you know, understanding the thoughts and try to communicating it, I think is, is the best way to do it. And whatever that way that express you best, like use that. Is it like a, like a giant graffiti mirror thing? Maybe. So. Awesome. Yeah. That's a great answer. Mike, I know you had a question here about software. I'm, I'm very curious. Um, if you don't mind, I'll just ask it since I brought it up, but what software are you using to turn sketches into digital vectors and rendering? So you started with just for a recap, you started with Photoshop five, which I don't even know what number we're on now. I know it like my Adobe premiere automate, uh, automatically updates now. So it may not have a number. Anyway, you started at Adobe Photoshop five. Now, what are you using? Is it even in the Adobe world? Is it something completely different specifically for shoes? I'm a tech guy, so I'm very intrigued. And even better, do you do you use one of those like pads, like animators where you draw on the pad and it shows up on the computer? Because I just need to visualize what's happening when you do yeah. this. All right. So it all starts with me with pen and paper still. I still like pencil to, to paper. I think it's the best way, the quickest way for sure. And, uh, and Photoshop, it's funny that you mentioned that because like Photoshop has changed a lot. I'm not creative cloud now and it sounds like you are too because it automatically updates. But I still use the most basic things in Photoshop, like what they have in Photoshop 5 because I learned that on early. I'm still using that. I'm just still using the brush tool. And a lot of times I just use my mouse and draw boxes and fill them in. Um, you're just using so, what you know and you're good yeah. at it. Be proficient, you know? <laughs> so, um, so Photoshop is a huge one. And this, this, this one that's more um, in the last past couple of years is Illustrator. So um, if you don't know, uh, Photoshop is kind of like a, a pixel-based. And I, I'm, I'm kind of butchering the explanation. Um, but it's pixel-based. So whatever you draw, it shows that that's, at that pixel. It, what you draw is exactly as is. That's why when you print it up too big, it gets all blurry and pixelated. But uh, Illustrator is vector-based, and vector is just means like it's a, it's a formula telling the computer what to create. So, um, and it's still you're still drawing lines and stuff. It just it's just better instructed for the computer to recreate that graphic, so you can scale it at a different size, and the computer will know what to do. So, Illustrator is how I kind of create those content to to share with the factory and the developer. Um, but yeah, those are the main tools. I use the iPad now. I'm not on the off-screen pad anymore. I used to, but like now it's directly on the iPad and it's just straight on magic. I use Procreate on there. Um, Dude, that's a specific app. The iPad is awesome. I uh, If you see my logo for the podcast, the microphone, I drew that on my iPad before I sold it. Oh, it's a wow. lot of fun. And it works, depending on the app that you use, if you use a really good app, quality app, it, it works a lot like a pencil, color pencils, watercolors, whatever. It's awesome. And, and a little bit of a, of a pro tip, there's a, there's, a, there's a little screen that you can put, like a screen protector. It's called paper-like. What it does is it makes, it, it makes the surface a little bit more grainy. So when you draw it, it feels like paper. And that's what I use. 
because sometimes the friction. Pro tip. There you go. The friction really <laughs> it hits different. That's accurate. That's that's similar to like musicians because I'm a musician. That's how Mike and I know each other. We we sing together, but uh, also oh, play drums geez. sometimes. And like one of the the biggest pet peeves, I'm a drummer mainly, and I've been drumming for like 19 years or something. I've lost track. But uh, when you play on electric drums, like you don't you don't play as well. I'm convinced because it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like it should. And when it doesn't feel like it should the the skill level gets tainted because your body is not in sync with your mind. And yes. so like, I know it's, a, it sounds like such a little thing, like add a screen protector. It'll make it feel like paper. You know, it sounds like really simple, but I'm sure it makes a world of difference for you because then you feel like what's in your mind just flows right out through your hand onto yes. the iPad. It's the exact same thing. It's like that, that small little contact point just makes all the difference. Yeah. Yeah. For real. What other questions do you have, Mike? Um, I think we, we've touched on a lot of these. I think we've touched on, on all the ones that I have. Um, I, I guess, I, guess I, I, always, I always sort of have this question in the, in the back of my mind. Um, and, and, and I told myself I'm not going to ask what's coming. Um, cause I know that the night wing is coming. I like, I know that there's, there's been stuff in, in the, in the works for we, we are underdogs, but, but in, in five or 10 years from now, like, do you see yourself starting your own brand? And if you do, like, what's it going to be called? What's it going to be about? Oh, this is a, this is a dangerous one because I've been keeping it in my head in so long and letting it manifesting into this beast <laughs> um, but I think it, it circles back to what we talked about earlier but the big thing is about sharing the the, the message right so um, the message that has kind of evolved in many ways is that I'm very interested in, in just different types of passions from from people because at the end of the day I think the, it's the work that kind of defines the person and who they are is not what they say at the end of the work and, and passion just kind of helps you kind of cut through all of the BS and helps get to the work. So um, I developed this kind of this weird idea in my head of, of naming this brand Circus and Circus is just uh, uh, a ring where people sometimes are passionate because of, of their upbringing, because of their oddities and they're just coming together for, for performance and entertainment at the end of the day. It's, it's somewhat it's a distraction for this thing of life sometimes. And, and I think there's a lot of different paths you can do. So ultimately, I would love to start my brand under the name Circus. I don't know how that's going to evolve. Um, I hope to create another platform for, um, for the less fortunate to, to gain skill sets, um, for people to be passionate about something and, um, and just get them through life and just to, to be able to share. I think that's, that's the big aim. Love that. Love that. I'm just saying, if you know, whenever you start your brand circus, if you do end up making shoes my size, please don't call them clown shoes. <laughs> as fitting as it would be, literally and figuratively, as fitting as it would be. I, I don't know. I might actually find that pretty funny. I, I'm willing to laugh at myself and make <laughs> jokes at my own expense. And I grew up doing like performing art stuff where I dressed as a clown. So it wouldn't be the first time I wore clown shoes. But I just had to throw that out there. If you're going to have a circus brand, you got to have clown shoes somewhere in there and make them your like plus size. Watch out for that. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's fantastic. Um, there was one question here that I, I thought was really interesting because I, I always like to have an encouraging twist on whatever is happening on my podcast, um, even having a question specifically for you to answer about encouragement. But before we get to that, I would love to know how can, for people who are listening and may just stumble upon this episode or somebody shares with them, if they're listening and they're an aspiring designer, how can they break into the sneaker design world or even owning their own company and brand? Mm. What does that look like? How, what would be the first step and what would be a key step along the way? Yeah. And um, I think the first thing is, uh, I think, liberating yourself from, from the mind and start to put out the work. Because I think a lot of times, a lot of creatives that I know, they have these ideas that manifest in their head. I myself struggle with that. And, and it becomes too much of a beast to put out at, at some point because your, your skill is, is, is limited, right? You can't always fully express your, express your thoughts. You can only hope to one day gain to that full completion of your mind. And it sounds kind of crazy to create that one masterpiece. And I think a lot of people shoot for the masterpiece, but um, the reality is you, you're going to have to take the steps necessary to do it. And it's very, um, and once you like remove the whole masterpiece perfection mindset, it's going to liberate you to keep creating. And um, I think if it's, it's, I don't know if it's necessarily ins- inspirational or encouraging, but just, I think for, for the people that are listening that are aspiring designers, just put your work out there and just like it, things will, will, will stick. And the only way to make it, to make something good is to, Throw it out there and, and let the environments of reality test it. <laughs> and that's the same with people and on other things, I think. Yeah. That's, I've heard that same encouragement with um, like stand up comics. You know, always you got, you got to practice. Like at some point, you got to put it out there. Um, and I think naturally with that, the thing that helps you to become the best at something is typically the thing that most people are nervous about to even start. And that's critique, getting yes. criticism. Um, given not everybody's great at giving criticism. Like some people are just total jerks when it comes to it, yes. you know, but mm-hmm. nonetheless, um, perfect example to make my point here. I go, you know, full circle out to the side and come back. Uh, I had a high school basketball coach who today is now one of my favorite people. I, I think very highly of him. He's a fantastic guy. At the time, he would yell and he'd kick a basketball and like just let his anger fly. And I remember I came home one day and I, I asked my mom, I was like, mom, can, can I quit basketball? Like, I don't want to put up with this. And her encouragement to me was something that has stuck with me literally my entire life since she told me. And she said, stop listening to how he's saying it and listen to what he's saying. Uh, yeah. And the next year when he was still our coach, he was our coach my junior and senior year. That next year I got the um, most improved, which I always thought was kind of like a, like a blow off award, you know, like I guess you got most improved cause you're really trying hard buddy. But like my stats showed it, my stats had almost tripled from the year before just crazy stuff that I would have never thought. And the reason was not because like I just magically became better overnight. It was because I started listening to what he was saying and not how he was saying it. And I was taking that criticism, internalizing it in a positive, productive way, and then 
turning it back into something that could perform for my team, support my team, and be better for, for me. And so I, I feel like a lot of times people, like you're saying, they hold it all up here and they, they think these great ideas are just swirling around in their head. And honestly, probably about half of them are good ideas. And then about like a quarter of them are great. And then, you know, that tiny little percent that's just amazing. But literally no one's going to know about it if you don't put it out there, you know? Exactly. You could have the next best idea for some company or brand or product or whatever. And if you never tell anybody, it's not going to happen. So I appreciate that you're encouraging yes. in that. And you to just, your point earlier too, like from, from your mom, when you said that listen to, you know, what he's saying, not how he's saying it. I think it goes get back full circle on, on one of the reasons why you said you started this podcast is that, you know, when you're online on Facebook with all these political conversations and stuff, all the context of it is gone. Like you, you don't see like how this person is saying that there's, there's, yeah. there's, a, there's a lot of things. And like, it's, it, it could be a temporary thought that you, a lot of people hold on to. And I think that's where this interaction of people and listening uh, and taking critiques and, and, and really digging through conversation is really what's, what's important and really, really valuable. Yeah, there was a, a psychologist that uh, mentioned how the, the level of like aggression or something like that 100% of the time diminishes whenever it's a face-to-face -face conversation. Wow. because there's something about they they narrowed it down to like something that's subconscious in in a human brain that when you are interacting with another human you you tend to now of course there's anomalies where like somebody's just flying off the handle or whatever but you tend to dial it back a little bit because there's this understanding of like this person is kind of me and I'm kind of this person of course the fundamental is like you're a human being right but um that's that's There's a part primal that, connection right. you're making in person. Yeah. And you don't have that with a freaking computer screen or a phone screen. You're just typing messages away. You're a keyboard warrior over here, just blown off at the handle. And, yeah. I, and I think sometimes conversations are great to have, but you got to have some body language behind it. You got to have some genuine respect and care for each other. But anyway, we, that that is a whole different thing that we could go off on and um mm -hmm. and i think would actually be a really fun conversation but i i've had that conversation on other podcast episodes so i want to i want cool. to check that out <laughs> i want to reel it in here with people that uh mike and i know good friends of ours but um as we wrap up here i i had a question that i wanted to ask earlier but it just didn't fit because we're flowing with the conversation um this might be something you know hopefully to encourage you but what, what's been your greatest professional accomplishment so far? Or what are you aiming to have be your greatest professional accomplishment? And I say it might be an encouragement because you might have something in your head, you know, like the brand circus, like that may be the thing that leaves its stamp on the world. But I, I would love to hear your thoughts. Um, actually, the, the very um, big moment of achievement that I felt was, and oh, and these are the, the comments. By the way, these are bones. I kind of wore these a, a couple of times. So Those are kind of fantastic. Thank you. And um, the, the big moment of accomplishment was when I gave these to my mom and she won. And it's, it's funny because she, she is kind of like this immigrant lady that's always grinding and surviving. So, so, so she don't really have the context of what I kind of fought through to kind of make this shoe happen. But at the same time, she don't know that all of her sacrifices made this happen. So there's like a magical gap 
in between all of that, between coming here and making that shoe happen. So for her to wear it was like a fuzzy feeling of like everything making sense. So that was a deep, deep accomplishment. And, and I, I think about that all the time. That, that's so cool. Did you, when you, when she, either when you handed her those shoes or when she put them on, did you have kind of like a, I'm asking this cause this has happened to me in a very specific situation, but did you have a moment where flashbacks, like almost like a slideshow of every moment, like that got you to that point whether it was like you walking on the plane to fly to America, your dad coming to America, you getting to pencil Academy. Like, did you have that like slideshow happen in your mind? Hell yeah. Um, it was, a lot of it was masked by my ugly cry. <laughs> Naturally. The they go hand yeah. in hand. <laughs> yes. Uh, so yeah, it definitely happened. And it was, it was very weird. And, and it was funny too, because my mom was just like, oh, I'm sure you made it. You know, just being like that. <laughs> <laughs> she is, takes your great accomplishment oh, and just, oh, it's a shoe. I don't understand. Oh, a shoe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, yes, that definitely happened. That's amazing. I love that. And um, I, I don't know when they were released, but was your dad able to see the shoes that you made? Uh, yes, he saw it. He saw it. I, it, was, it wasn't really designed for his, his, his body type, so I didn't get in a, a pair. And he, it's kind of complicated to put onto. So he never get, got his own pair, but he definitely saw it. He, 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 was, he was also like, oh, shoot. But it was, <laughs> it was, it was, uh, it was magical. <laughs> a part of you, I'm sure, was like, do you even understand what it has taken to get here? Yes. I'm sorry. I'm not yelling at you. <laughs> exactly. I, I, I definitely said that. hundred <laughs> percent. Let me, let me give a presentation real quick. I'm just going to give you the step-by-step. Here's me like half dead. Okay. And then me coming back alive and I finally made it. <laughs> We're good. <laughs> well, Kato, as we wrap up here, man, first of all, this has been a great conversation. This, I love, my wife asked me, and this definitely ties in. Like, she was like, so do you want to keep doing the podcast? And I was like, I'm having some awesome conversations with people that I otherwise would never have. Like, that just don't exist. And I love getting to talk to people. So this is a perfect example of that. I've enjoyed every minute of this. Um, as we wrap up, I want to ask one last question uh, for people to hear you say. And then the last piece is just how can people connect with and support you? But the question is this, what encouragement would you give to those listening? I know you gave some encouragement to aspiring designers and that sort of thing. Maybe touch on that again, but what encouragement to people maybe who are immigrants, people who maybe are um, growing up with kind of every obstacle against them or people who simply their, their key fob opens every door and you're like, what do I do with this magic, magic tool here? Um, which I had a very similar example, but it was at a school. So you're not really getting any special places in Under Armour with that. But, um, what encouragement would you give to those people listening? Um, I want to say it's, it's less of an encouragement, but it's a quote. I think that helps me a lot when I was trying to figure things out. Um, and it's so funny cause I got it from fortune cookie. Um, but, but it, yes. it, it, hits deep. it hits deep. Um, and do you remember was, which, um, hold on. Do you remember which restaurant it was from or was it just it was like some random restaurant? I, of course it was. It wasn't even a planned Chinese food. <laughs> it's just one of those things where like, I need something to eat. So it kind of just came from like, the, the, just out of nowhere. But the, the, the quote was, um, everything in moderation, especially moderation. And that like just carried me. Do, do, do a lot of things like 
I think as a designer and as like a, as like a pretty introspective kind of person, I always somehow try to seek and find the balance. But that quote kind of helps me understand that the true balance of it is, is ever-shifting and it's, it's not as, you know, cut and dry as I thought. And that opened me up to like a lot of creative opportunities, create, you know, it helped me endure moments. So that was, that was the, that's a little fortune cookie note. <laughs> that's great. And just so I got it right, you said everything in moderation, especially moderation. Yes. That's so good. That's cool. <laughs> I love that. I, I, the, the idea is like, sometimes you got to sprint, man. Like, don't just jog the whole time. Like, sprint. Give it everything you got. Go for it. Exactly. That's good, man. Well, we'd love to have people connect with you, support you. Um, maybe if they don't wear giant size shoes, they can buy some of your shoes. Uh, so, <laughs> well, how can people connect with you? How can they support you? Um, if there's a way to even like support outside of just um, buying the shoes outright, maybe sharing your page, following you, that sort of thing, what would it be? Um, yeah, just um, follow me on uh, social media at Kato Choi. Um, definitely give me critiques on my shoe. I think a, a like does, does a lot, but if you can tell me how you feel, that would mean a lot more to me because um, I'm always trying to improve. And I'll follow the brand at uh, underdogs. Um, and just follow the products because we're telling a lot of stories of independent creator in the, in, in, in the form of shoes. And I think there's so much, so many, so many more inspiration stories to tell. So thank you for having me. Yeah, man. And I'm sure there will be more inspirational stories as you, as you build your brand and have all your, um, punctuation marks going at I still can't get over the, the idea of what we talked about earlier, the full picture. You know, you are the words. I definitely need to chew on that more. <laughs> there you go. Well, I appreciate that, man. We'll, we'll get everything in the description for this episode um, at Kato Choi, and we'll put the, the We Are Underdogs as well. Um, I've made some notes of people that we've mentioned so we can make sure they get shout outs and get support, like Sia Collective. Um, make sure David Blaine's on there. Oh yeah, David Blaine is the number three. I got We Are Underdogs, comma shoes, and then David Blaine. So he's, we'll, we'll make sure. Yeah, Mike's got to make sure he tweets that out so that his follower, his follower, gets to see it in a magical moment will ensue. Kato, I appreciate you. Um, I saw your cat there. Appreciate your cat letting us borrow you for a little bit. <laughs> Everyone, he is showing us the the cat who looks very displeased with what's happening. <laughs> Not a fan. Not a fan at all. Well, Kato, thank you so much. Uh, hopefully, we will keep in touch and uh, and see you just blow up the world with your shoes, man. Appreciate it. For sure. Well, folks, what a great conversation with Kato Choi and Mike Gates, uh, former guest on the show, now a guest host on the show. And I, I don't know about you. I learned a whole lot about the making of shoes, of course, if you have a creative mind, you could probably guess what goes into making shoes and that sort of thing. But it's cool to hear from an actual designer who is, um, you know, out there making these shoes, starting with something on pen and paper and ultimately getting to something that you can wear. That's just the, the crazy cool part about it. Um, I want to make sure that we give a shout out to We Are Underdogs, the, the brand that he's currently working for. That is wau.weareunderdogs.com. 
on Instagram. You can follow Cato himself at Cato Choi. That's K-A-I-T-O-C-H-O-Y. Cato Choi. Big shout outs to David Blaine, Sia Collective, Pencil Design Academy. And don't forget the best quote he mentioned that gives him his encouragement to keep grinding away and doing his best. Everything in moderation, especially moderation. That's all we got for you on the Micah Brown Podcast. If you like what you heard here, be sure to subscribe and also follow on all the social media accounts because that's how we get the word out about these conversations happening. I encourage you to go and have great, awesome conversations yourself. Um, Be sure to ask some deep questions, some good questions, because remember, if you have shallow conversations, you're going to have shallow friendships, shallow relationships. But if you have deep, authentic, meaningful uh, conversations, you'll have the same kind of relationships. That's all I got. Y'all take care.